interviews, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Today is the last day to register to vote. I wish there was a way I could convince people to get involved in the process with what people see from an insider looking out, which I am. I, I mean, I've been involved in this for so long, but I wasn't always that way. As an insider looking out, you see things differently. On an outside, from an outsider looking in, and I'm speaking to the insiders now, people on the outside looking in think we're nuts. They just think we're crazy. The fighting and the way we fight, adults acting like children, professional people acting like complete idiots, educated people acting like fools. And we do this because the emotion of politics is – it's like watching somebody that changes in a football game. How many people do you know that are reasonable, responsible people, and then when they get to a game, they act like a complete idiot? They want to fight. They scream and yell, and you're like, what got into you? I'm going to be brutally honest about myself. It's me behind the wheel of a car. I drive fast. I always drive fast, but I also am prone to road rage. Now, I'm the kind of person I'll let you merge. I'll open the door for you. i let you go first. If you've got less groceries than I do, go in front of me at the grocery store. I'm in no hurry. I'm one of those guys. I am. I get angry when I drive. So I understand the concept. When it comes to American politics, people on the outside looking in want nothing to do with us. They want nothing to do with voting. And it's not because they don't have opinions, and it's not because they don't believe it's important. A, they don't believe it's effective. Because they think it, you know, everybody's a crook. Doesn't matter which party you you elect, they're all crooks. And the other part of it is they don't want to get involved in the vitriol. If you want to have a conversation with somebody, this is where the problem is. You got to give you got to give code now. You know, if you're out somewhere, um, you've got to give a code. If you voted for Trump, you got to give the secret handshake or a nod and a wink, so it's safe to say, I voted for Trump. Because if you say it in the wrong place, they want to run you out of the place, and vice versa. Vice versa. If you're someone in the wrong room that criticizes any tweet that's ever been sent by the former president or anything he's ever said, you are just ostracized. And if you're within that circle, you are a traitor. You almost have to whisper, you know, I really didn't like it when he said that. And then if you say it too loudly, forget it. And nobody wants to be a part of it. And I I think it is a disservice to the country. And I'm just saying that as an insider, that's how people on the outside see us. But I would say to everyone, today's your last opportunity to help um, the state of Arizona move in the right direction and, and to have your voice heard. You don't have to get involved in all the nonsense, but your voice should be heard. It's so easy to register to vote. It's so easy to cast your ballot. And I think it is a – I personally believe it's a responsibility. I have a responsibility to cast my vote. So today is the last day to register to vote. Tomorrow, mail ballots are being sent out to active early voting. If you're on the early voting list, they will send the ballots out tomorrow. Early voting begins tomorrow. If you get if you have your ballot, you can start sending it in tomorrow. October 28th is the deadline to request a new or replacement mail-in ballot. If you don't request it by the 28th of October, you're not going to get one. You're going to have to go to the polls. November 1st is the recommended deadline to mail your ballots back so they get back in a timely fashion. And then, of course, November 8th is Election Day. Um, 
I want to make a suggestion only because I think it's a, a prudent thing to do. I would wait and vote later in the process. When you learn more about the propositions, when you learn more about the candidates, and you may learn there may be some revelations about people between now and November 8th, which is why – well, a couple of reasons. But one of the main reasons I vote on election day is I want all the information. I want to wait and see what's going to happen. But the other reason is I like to go to the polls. I, I like that feeling of walking in and casting my ballot and watching it being counted. I just do. Talked earlier about this, about how most voters in Arizona, according to a new poll, part of it done by uh, uh, Chuck Coughlin's group High Ground, um, that most voters in Arizona um, believe in our election system. Uh, Mail-in ballots are not going anywhere. Can we and should we secure them? Absolutely. I do. I don't think there's a problem with identifying yourself or proving who you are in, in a way to vote by mail. I have no problem with that. Um, I just don't think I go to the like I said, I go to the polls. So, it, it you know, if we went to uh, same day voting or election day voting at the polls wouldn't change my life at all because I myself like to go to the polls. But I don't think mail-in ballot is, voting is going anywhere. And to my Republican friends out there that are trying to end it, it's Republicans that did it more than Democrats or independents historically in Arizona until the 2020 election. And we do need – I do think there are things we can do always to make things safer and more secure. When I show up at a ballot location, I have to show them, present them with an ID card or, or some form of identification in order for me to cast my ballot. I don't think that that's a, 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 a wrong thing that you should need to do in order to cast your ballot. Now, it's a secret ballot, and the way they're supposed to do things with mail-in ballots is match your signature on the outside of the envelope with the signature they have on file. But then they are supposed to separate the ballot from the envelope and completely just get rid of the two so that one cannot be connected to the other so that your ballot remains secret. If you have some problem with that, then vote in person. If you think by some way that they're going to find out how you voted, then vote in person. Um, but there are a lot of people that think mail-in ballot is, is very popular, and it's not going anywhere. I mean we have to deal in the reality where we live, and the people of Arizona like early voting. And, and to be honest, if you look at the way Maricopa County does it, you can track your ballot. It's got a good tracking system. You have to at least acknowledge the tracking system is good. You can say there are flaws and acknowledge that there are good things about it. You get a text message about your ballot. You get a text message when they receive it. You get a text message when it's been counted. I mean, all that happens. And it's not my way of voting. I go to the polls. But we understand that we've been mailing in our ballots for a long time. Elections have gotten more and more contentious because candidates have gotten more and more contentious. And as this has happened, Hillary Clinton is very – you have to admit Hillary Clinton is and was a polarizing person as a first lady, as a senator, as secretary of state, and as a candidate for president. Hillary Clinton is polarizing. So is Donald Trump. So you are going to have people on opposite sides screaming. Screaming each other, it's just part of what's going on. But in the end, what does the evidence say? How are we voting? What's happening? If you look at recently what's happened again, I, we talked about a story that involved a, a one of our supervisors in Maricopa County, Clint Hickman, with a threat that goes back to 2021 where somebody threatened to hang him. And it was believed to be a real threat, not just by him but by federal authorities, and that man was eventually charged with crimes. But you're talking about a guy that was just, just doing his job. He got elected as a supervisor. And what's funny about this is I've known Hickman for years. He's another guy that's always been considered a very conservative guy. Now all of a sudden. 
Biden because he didn't didn't stop the election from being uh, he didn't stop the election from being certified and said that we did things the right way in Maricopa County. He's not only outcast by certain elements of his own political party in Arizona. People from around the country are hearing these stories and we're riling up these idiots that want to make threats are showing up at his doorstep by over 100 people screaming and yelling outside of his house. And one guy threatens to come to Arizona and and take him to Facebook jail, I guess, to affect a citizen's arrest. And another guy is threatening to hang him. We've got to figure out a better way of how we have our political battles. We just do. And uh, I just hope we can. I just hope at some point we can. Talking about the economy, uh, we're going to talk about some of the things, some good news in our economy. Talk about gas prices, which is not good news. We had a great conversation this morning with a retail analyst and expert, Kristen Bentz, and a little bit of what she says she is seeing and what it means for the short and long-term future of your spending power. All that's coming up here in just a couple of moments. And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, appreciate you spending some time. All eyes are on the economy as the American public is beginning to be very, very concerned about their spending power. The Dow is up today. Good news for the Dow is finally got a day that's up at 347 points, up about above 29,550, which is good that we're going back in that direction. Concerns are, and people have said it could lose even more than it has already. And you understand that fear is a big motivator when it comes to stocks, and so is uncertainty. Whenever you see, whenever investors are not sure, they don't feel confident confident in something, they tend to pull back or slow down. It's not full speed ahead. Um, I want you to hear a little bit from Kristen Bentz. Um, I I can't say enough about Kristen. She is a very good friend, and uh, we've been friends now for years, but I think I respect people that are smart anyway. But when someone is an intelligent in an area that I'm not at all, I have a lot of respect for them because I learn so much from them every time I talk to them. And Kristen Bentz is a retail analyst. She has a company called KB Advisory Group. And she has been advising, this is how she made her living, advising Wall Street investors on what she believes the trends will be in retail, in the retail world. Well, here we are. We had school clothes. That's what was the last big retail thing that was going on. Now we know holiday shopping is happening. Well, you've got layaway now happening and special reduced enrollment for memberships in Amazon for people that use EBT, food stamps, uh, welfare. In that area where you can spend on Amazon things that are legal to buy and sell with your EBT card. So we talked about that this morning. I thought it was a very interesting conversation. So here's a little bit of what she said about this program. When smart retailers or big retailers like Amazon and Walmart start following what we call transfer payments. Okay, that's government money, SNAP benefits, EBT recipients, people that are on food stamps and the like. That's when you realize something is very wrong with the economy. So they are seeing that there's a trend of more and more people going there, number one. And number two, um, we are also going to see a lot of people needing it. And and so that's not good news for the, for the future of the economy. A lot of experts are believing that because of the dramatic steps that the Fed has got to take in order to slow down inflation, there are going to be another at least one, maybe two deep uh, rises, I, I should say big increases in interest rates to try to slow things down that we already see. See a slowing down in the housing market. 
you know, we've seen that happen already, although there is not a direct correlation between rate increases at the Fed and, and mortgage rate increases. They have coincided quite a bit, but there's not a direct correlation. Um, but people are going to have less money to spend. You, you couple that with gas prices when you know that uh, this is just a little bit this morning. We played a little bit of this uh, from ABC on gas prices in America. Now averaging three ninety two a gallon nationwide, up 20 cents from a month ago. And they're on track to top $4 after OPEC Plus, a group of oil producing nations led by Russia and Saudi Arabia, said it's cutting production by 2 million barrels per day to boost prices. Those higher prices are set to benefit Vladimir Putin's war machine in Ukraine. And we know that that's been ramped up. There's the threat of nuclear war. People are concerned about that internationally. There is now a group of nations. Most nations around the world have lined up and said what recently has happened by Vladimir Putin and the missile strikes in Kiev and other cities around Ukraine, including a shelling in Ukraine in, in Kiev. I believe the damage the German consulate and civilians in Ukraine that now the world is getting on board. And it looks as if Vladimir Putin is now making uh, threats about nuclear war, uh, warheads. And so what does this mean? with the ramping up, that adds to more fear and more uncertainty. The average American consumer is feeling the pinch in a bigger and bigger way every month. For people that don't have to live on a budget, it's, it's inconvenient. It, it's something they don't want. For families that are on a budget, for families that are on a tight budget, every little shift that's out of their control is terrifying. I mean, let's be honest. If you have a self-induced budget, which I wish I had done at a young age, I was not good with money. But I know many people that are and that have been, some by necessity and some by self-discipline. And when you say, okay, we are going to be debt-free, so we're paying off all of this every month that we can. We're setting money aside. Here is our emergency fund. Here is our long-term savings. This is, goes into our retirement. And we have now put ourselves on a budget. So what's left is this little bit of pile of money here that we get to spend. And this is our discretionary spending. We can buy whatever we want with this money. Well, as you see that dry up. And then your long-term spending dries up. You're spending your short-term savings. And all of these things are happening to you. It's terrifying for families. It's one thing that is demoralizing to have to tell your children no to things that you said yes to in the past or say no to to the things that are valuable to your children and you know it. It's terrifying to think that your children might be hungry or might not have a place to live. And these are the realities that a lot of families are facing. So what does it mean for the economy? Because one of the other programs that's being used by Amazon is a layaway program. Now, I was a layaway kid when I was a kid. I know my mom used layaway for school clothes and for other stuff, and, and it was just something our family did. And now we're seeing it happen in these online retailers. What does it mean? Now, they just started implementing layaway, which is shocking to me and interesting at the same time. So that shows me the consumer is broken, and they're getting their dollars early before holiday. We'll get into that in a minute. So for Prime Day, they're introducing layaway which is such an interesting concept considering where we are in the economy right now. It certainly is that you're not only selling people, uh, selling to people online, you're allowing them to pay off incrementally before you send it to them at no interest. So you're also looking at a group of people that are needing to pay it off on time and they don't have a credit card to use because they're maximizing their credit cards for necessities. This is just one more way to get a piece of that retail dollar. What we're going to do in a moment is an interesting study. And it has to do with health and healthy eating. Do these studies ever influence the way you consume, eat or drink? I know it sounds silly, but this study was so compelling I wanted to talk about it. I'll do it. 
next. And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, you are invited, cordially invited, to download the Mike Broomhead Show podcast. Do it now on any device that you have. Never miss a minute of the show. The Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you this week by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home and get guaranteed offers at higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Just saw an interesting study, a little break from all the serious news, but it's interesting to me what people believe and how what affects what they do. Um, research about what is healthy comes very quickly, and things have changed over our lifetimes um, about how we eat, what we eat, what we should eat, when we should eat, how often we should eat, um, what we put into our bodies, and how dangerous it is. When I was a kid, when I was a little boy, nobody nobody saw the dangers of smoking. Nobody knew. The cigarette company said it was perfectly safe, and we believed it. And then studies came out that said that it wasn't. Both of my grandparents smoked. Both of my parents smoked in the car, with us in the car. My grandfather had a layer of smoke about four feet off the floor. My brother and I, this was before my youngest brother was even born, um, so I was under the age of seven because I was seven when he was born. Um. We used to take turns rolling his cigarettes. He had he used to when he didn't have any money to buy the camels without the filters. He smoked bugler and rolled his own cigarettes with a cigarette roller. We'd take turns rolling his cigarettes for him. I mean, it was just a part of the culture then. Everybody smoked. It was cool in movies. It was cool on TV. He smoked on an airplane. He smoked everywhere. It didn't matter. Now we know that that's not the case. Science has proven it to be different. But this new health metrics and evaluation study it may uh, it may change your mind about some things. And I found some of these things to be interesting. One of them was that uh, on a scale of one to five stars, um, smoking still gets five stars. The risk of outcome of smoking is still the worst when it comes to lung cancer and disease. Um, The evidence for a connection between eating a lot of unprocessed red meat and having a stroke was given just one star. How many times we heard about eating um, unprocessed red meat? Um, and how bad it could be for you. But do these studies, my question is, do these studies ever really even change people's minds? Because, I, I mean, I've always eaten fairly healthy. I mean, I snack on stuff, but I love vegetables. I eat healthy. I love protein. Um, so I, I am a, I, I'm a meat eater. I love chicken, and I love fish, and I love steak. And so we joke in our family that the two things that my family does is we eat and we talk about where we're going to eat next when I'm on vacation. But then as you get older, do you start paying closer attention to the things that may get you to be unhealthy? My family has a history of cancer. And I'm very well aware of it. And now that I'm 55 years old, to be very honest with you, it doesn't matter how how healthy I am. It's a concern for me. It's the one concern I have about my health um, because I can control everything else. I can't control that. I can treat it if it happens, but there's not much you can do, at least as far as I'm concerned. There are things you can do to lower your risk. But, man, everybody, I have got cousins and uncles, and my mom's a survivor, and my father died of colon cancer. Both of my mother's parents died of cancer. Her brother one of her brothers, her, uh, her her nieces and nephews, my cousins, it's been in my family. It's just everywhere. And so I, it's a big concern for me. So I am concerned about what I eat and what I put in my body. I've never been a smoker. I've never smoked once in my life, uh, never smoked weed, never smoked cigarettes. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm paranoid. And I laugh sometimes because of the big, huge swings with studies of what we eat and how we eat. Um, 
when you watch, when you look, they'll say a new study shows that this may lead to increase in cancer. And then three weeks later, no, this is actually better in treating and stopping cancer from happening. Trans fats and the stuff we cook with. And, and there are other people that live for, you know, 99 years. And they say, you know what I do? I, I have a cigar every day and a shot of whiskey. And uh, that's my key to a long life. But this study about what's healthy, uh, I wonder if it's the people that you trust or if it's you want to hear what you want to hear. The links between red meat and colon cancer, breast cancer, heart disease, diabetes were all given two stars. Still pretty low on the scale. I found it interesting. Um, the director of this organization and senior author of several of the burden of proof studies um, said it's very surprised at how many of the diet risk outcome relationships are relatively weak. That, that to me is fascinating. He told a press conference that the meta-analysis was prompted by concerns that everyone follows the latest published study, even though the results often swing from one end to the other. That's what we were just talking about. What about vegetables? Research investing how, how eating more vegetables affected a range of health outcomes looked at 50 studies encompassing 4.6 million people across 34 countries. Increasing the amount of vegetables people eat from zero to four a day led to a 23% decline in the risk of, of uh, stroke with the connection of getting three stars. So that's a, that's a pretty good indicator of what's healthy and what's not. And, you know, um, the reason why I thought this was compelling is I think as we get older, uh, I can't say we, as I get older, um, I want to stay healthier. I I don't fear I don't fear death any more than the average person does. I mean, I'm not looking forward to it, but I, I don't fear it. I don't live in fear, but I do live in fear of not being healthy. Having had a health scare a couple of years ago, it's almost two years ago now where I was diagnosed with severe hypertension, very high blood pressure and really fearing death dying in my sleep for months until I got it under control, I look at that now and I think, wow, you know, I I have an opportunity to stay healthy for as long as I can. I have no idea how long my this ride is going to last, but I can control how healthy I can be on that ride. And so I get good advice. I've talked before. I love my doctor. I think he's fantastic. Um, and I'm going to see him on Friday, as a matter of fact. And so I asked them about uh, him about very important things in my health and what I can do for longevity and healthy longevity. It's not just existence. You want to live. I still go to the gym. I want to continue to go to the gym as long as I can um, because I want to lead a healthy life. Um, I've had to change some things around with my schedule and, you know, kind of doing some things on my own. But um, I still want to remain healthy. Um, I hope that I don't know if that was informational to you at all, but reading that study about vegetables and what works and some things and even these doctors now in these studies saying we've seen these studies swing from one side to the other. So you jump on the thing of the day that people are telling you is healthy. And then a couple of months later, you see another one that's polar opposite and it goes in the other direction. And, and I think in the end, we just want to be able to do what's healthy, do what's right, you know, and not be afraid to deviate once in a while. What we're going to do in a moment is uh, should Arizona give um, in-state tuition to migrants? It's Prop 308. You will be voting on it. We're going to talk about this proposition coming up in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. 
Hey, appreciate you spending some time with us on this Tuesday morning. Uh, immigration has been a, this is a combination of two different things. One is education and the other is immigration and they kind of connect themselves with Prop 308. I would say to you that I, I would believe, and I believe I am, I am a huge immigration advocate. I think that we should be a nation of immigrants. I think that we are a nation that should be proud of our immigration heritage, uh, but I don't think we should be very proud of our immigration system as it stands. I think it needs to be fixed, and I don't think that there is any bigger example of the immigration problem our nation faces than the Dreamers. I think that most Americans would look at what's happening with these young people and say they should be a shining example of what immigration does in America if done the right way if they were in this country legally. What I mean by that is here is an example of what Americanism can do for the world. Here are children that were brought from a very desperate situations in many cases. They were brought to this country by parents that were looking for a better life for their children. And their children have lived those better lives. These are children that are educated in American schools, that want to go on to American colleges, that want to go into the American military, that want to go into the American workforce. By most accounts, and we know there's not 100% of everything, but most of these people are want to be contributors to society. They want to live lives. They want to have children. They want to live the American dream. That is a, an immigration success story. The problem is they were brought into this country illegally by their parents. The failure of the immigration system and the failure of their parents to do that the right way has them trapped in the middle of something that they did not cause. So we have created somewhat of an underclass in American society. And the reason why I talk so much about this is because we're doing it right now. We are doing it as we speak. When families, when people come here, and I, and I, what I'm, if you listen, I'm ignoring and I'm excluding right now criminals because that always should be kept out of America. I'm talking about the people that are coming here for noble reasons but doing it the wrong way. If we don't put a stop to this, if we don't make a concerted effort as Americans to secure the border and tell the world, we will always be that shining city on the hill. We are always going to be here. The The lamp of the Statue of Liberty will always be lit for the people that want to come to this country and be Americans. But you have to do it in an orderly fashion. And if you're not going to do it the right way, you won't do it at all. We should be sending that message because we should honor the people that have done it the right way. Now, I understand desperation. I really do. It's like you would never hear me yelling to lock up someone, a parent that shoplifted to feed their children. If a mother is stealing baby formula and she's got two babies in a stroller, I'm certainly not going to treat her like I would a shoplifter that walked in and grabbed a couple of steaks to walk out of the store. There's a difference there. Same crime. You have to admit that it's a crime. You have to say that it was shoplifting. But there is a level of concern in saying, I understand your plight. That doesn't mean you condone it. That doesn't mean you let it happen again. But it also means we've got to find a way to make sure that it doesn't happen again. And we don't do that as a nation. So I start that as as an opener to Prop 308, asking Arizona voters to decide on whether we are going to grant in-state tuition to Dreamers. And I would say that I am so torn on this topic because everything I just said about Dreamers, I believe. I believe it about the Dreamers. 
at the same time, I have so many friends that are immigrants that did it the right way. I have a friend uh, from Russia who's told me the story multiple times of waiting uh, an extended period of time to come to America the right way, that they could have gone to another country earlier in their youth, but they waited until they had an opportunity to come to America. I've talked with people that have gone through the visa process. They've gone through the green card process. They've become Americans. I've talked to so many people that have done it that way. And every one of those people that I speak to are against illegal immigration. So there's got to be a distinction made between right and wrong. Doesn't mean you don't understand. You know, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of working families that are barely keeping their heads above water that don't shoplift. And there are those that are forced into that to what to feed their hungry children. You don't condone it, but you also don't treat both groups of people the same. You wouldn't call someone that is using food stamps or someone that's using a little bit of cash they have to buy food and someone that steals food. You wouldn't call them both customers, but we call them all migrants. And I don't want to hurt feelings. I don't want to be um, insensitive. But we have to fix the problem. And the longer we keep putting Band-Aids on problems, the less less likely we are to fix it. The DREAM Act goes back to the Obama administration. That was two presidents ago. Two presidents ago. And we're still dealing with it, and we're making it worse. We've got a whole new generation of people that are going to fall under whatever, whatever rules we make now. And until we do something about this, and I mean real solutions, these Band-Aids aren't a solution. Somebody explain to me how you solve the problem by granting in-state tuition. What you do is you say to these kids, you're really Americans and you're going to get in-state tuition. That doesn't fix the problem. It doesn't even address the problem. And now the courts are forcing our Congress to figure out a way to do something about it, which I think long term is going to be the best thing for everyone involved. I don't want to see people suffer. I don't want to see uh, undue harm to anyone. But there has to be a price to be paid for doing it the wrong way. There has to be an advantage to doing it the right way. I firmly believe that. If If you've done what's necessary to do it the right way, there should be an advantage to that. How do you look a family that has made such supreme sacrifices and done it the right way? How do you look at them and say, we are going to give the exact same thing that you have earned to the people that did it the wrong way? That is my issue with this. And I deal, I struggle with it too because I look at the dreamers and I say, you are an American. In my mind, you're an American. You were raised here. You were brought here by your parents. You don't know any other country. The fact that you want to join the military or the fact that you want to do these other things shows that Americanism is alive and well because you are, you are healthy and you are educated and you are ready to move on to the next phase of your life. But there is still something this nation has to deal with and it's our broken immigration system. And we've got to wrestle with it with real conversations among us with a solution in mind and not vitriol and anger. And we haven't yet. And I'm having and right now. I'll be honest. I don't think this administration is prepared to do anything about it. It is one of the most disappointing things. If it weren't for the dismal economy, this would be the most disappointed I could possibly be and how the how poorly this administration has handled the border issue and specifically the issue of immigration. 
because they have muddled it. They have taken people and we have lumped everybody together and called them all migrants. And so you have got people that are largely immigration supporters, but against illegal immigration that are just fed up with the whole thing. And we should never do that. We should never do that. Coming up after 11 o'clock, um, is Health and Human Services flying migrants to New York? And if so, is it hypocrisy? We'll ask an answer next.